0: chapter 16, 2 Samuel 16, if you're using the Bible that the church provides, is on page 135. I'll be reading from the ESV. After I read God's word, it's our tradition in our church. For me to say, this is the word of God. And the reason I say that is uh, whenever we read either out loud or silently and in our homes, God's word, he speaks to us. He's talking to us through his word. And this morning, God is talking to you as I read. So uh, I invite you uh, to say, thanks be to God. And you're not saying it to me or to each other. We're actually saying it to God because he still speaks. Thanks be to you, O God. Uh, But first, let's hear what the Lord says through the writer of Second Samuel. Second Samuel chapter 16. When David had passed a little beyond the summit, Ziba, the son of Mephibosheth, met him with a couple of donkeys saddled, bearing 200 loaves of bread and 100 bunches of raisin, 100 of summer fruits and a skin of wine. And the king said to Ziba, why have you brought these? Ziba answered, the donkeys are for the king's household to ride on. The bread and the summer fruit are for the young men to eat, and the wine for those who faint in the wilderness to drink. And the king said, and where is your master's son? Ziba said to the king, behold, he remains in Jerusalem. For, for he said, today the house of Israel will give me back the kingdom of my father. Then the king said to Ziba, Behold, all that belonged to Mephibosheth is now yours. And Ziba said, I, pray, I pay homage. Let me find favor in your sight, my lord the king. When King David came to Bahurim, there came out a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei, of the son of Gera. And as he came, he cursed continually, and he threw stones at David, and all the servants of King David, and all the people, and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left. And Shimei said as he cursed, Get out, get out, you man of blood, you worthless man. The Lord has avenged on you all the blood of the house of Saul, in whose place you have reigned. And the Lord has given the kingdom into the hands of your son Absalom. See, your evil is on you, for you are a man of blood. Then Abishai, Abishai the son of Zeruiah, Zeruiah, said to the king, Why should this dead dog curse my king, the, my lord the king? Let me go over and take off his head. But the king said, What have I, what have I to do with you, you sons of Zeruiah? For he is cursing because, if he is cursing because the Lord has said to him, curse David, who then shall say, why have you done so? And David said to Abishai and to all his servants, behold, my own son seeks my life. How much more now may this Benjaminite leave him alone and let him curse, for the Lord has told him to. It may be that the Lord will look on the wrong done to me and that the Lord will repay me with good for his cursing today. So David and all his men went on the road while Shimei went along on the hillside opposite him and cursed as he went and threw stones at him and flung dust. And the king and all the people who were with him arrived wearily at Jordan, at the Jordan, and there he refreshed himself. Now Absalom and all of the people, the men of Israel, came to Jerusalem and Ahithophel with him. And when Hushai the Archite, David's friend, came to Absalom, Hushai said to Absalom, long live the king, long live the king. And Absalom said to Hushai, is this your loyalty to your friend? Why did you not go with your friend? And Hushai said to Absalom, no, For whom the Lord and this people and all the men of Israel have chosen, his will I be, and with him I will remain. And again, whom should I serve? Should it not be his son, as I have served your father, so I will serve you. Then Absalom said to Ahithophel, Give your counsel. What shall we do? Ahithophel said to Absalom, Go in to your father's concubines, whom he has left to keep the house and all Israel will hear that you have made yourself a stench to your father and and the hands of all who are with you will be strengthened. So they pitched a tent for Absalom on the roof and Absalom went into his father's concubines in the sight of all Israel. Now in those days, the counsel of Ahithophel gave was as if one consulted the word of God So was all the counsel of Ahithophel, esteemed by both David and Absalom. This is the word of God. Thanks be to you, O God. Shall we pray? Almighty God and loving Father, as we consider your word this morning, let it instruct us on how we can trust you today and teach us how to follow you in our coming days. Please don't let anything silence your word to us as we train our minds to study your word. May the word of God and the name of God be exalted in our presence now and evermore. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This morning we continue our study in 2 Samuel. Three weeks ago, uh, we stopped at chapter 15. And let me just give a brief overview of where we are. Uh, this is the second half of David's life. He is now king. One day when David was on the household, on the roof of his house, he looked over and saw Bathsheba. And he wanted her for himself. And so he took Bathsheba, and because she was married, He thought he would make sure that he took all of the obstacles out of the way, so he had her husband killed, Uriah. God noticed that and sent Nathan, his prophet, to go to um, David, and he rebuked David, and he told David that his sin was grievous in in his eyes and that many of the things that we'll see in this chapter uh, was a result of God's discipline. So in chapter 15, we ask the question of the text, when we are being disciplined by God, how does he relate to us? Does he forsake us? Does he turn his back on us? And we learned in 2 Samuel 15 that God's steadfast love as a father remains on us even through our discipline. He doesn't take the circumstances of our discipline away, but he lovingly guards us and keeps us close to himself. He's like that father in, in, uh, in uh, Luke chapter 15 who, uh, after his wayward son left and started coming home, he was looking for him and he met him on the, on the road and he hugged him and he put a new robe on him and a ring on his finger and he said, Behold, my son who was dead is now alive. That's the type of God we serve. Well, this text forces us, I think, to ask another question. I think it's always good to ask questions of a a text. Not question whether it's true, but ask questions. Because when we ask questions, the answers often give us a picture of God's character, who he is, what he expects of us, and how we can develop a trust in him. So the question that this text, I think, forces us to ask is this. Did God change his mind about David and install, uh, to install Absalom as his son? The reason I say that, when we go back through this chapter, you're going to see signs. Different events that can be seen as signs. When I think of signs, I think of my hero in the faith, Gideon. He's one of my heroes and because I, I um, relate to him in, in so many ways. God told Gideon, he said, I, I want you to go fight the Midianites. And Gideon said, I want to make sure that you're telling me this. So let me, let me ask for a sign. Here's the first sign. Oh, I'm going to put a fleece on the floor. And overnight, if the fleece is totally wet and the ground is dry... I know that you're sending me to do this. And so he went to bed and he got up in the morning and he looked at the fleece and he picked it up and he wrung the water out of the fleece and the ground was dry. I still can't see that right. The ground was dry. And he said, I have God's answer. And I imagine Gideon said, well, I really don't like God's answer. So let me ask you another question, dear God. Let Let me ask you just one more sign, please. Don't be angry with me, but this time when I go to bed, let the ground be soaking wet and the fleece be dry. And when he went to bed and when he woke up, the ground was soaking wet and the fleece was dry because God answered his prayer. That was Gideon's sign. We often ask God for signs, don't we? We don't ask for fleeces to be wet or dry. But often we use words like, uh, when we look at the circumstances of events around us, we say God opened the door or he closed the door. And we look at those circumstances to see uh, that's the way that God's communicating his favor. Uh, we, we have a good job and money in the bank and we have a great relationship. Our family is going well. Uh, uh, we found the love of our life and, and, and we said, well, God is blessing me or, we have problems in our family. We lose our job. It is not because of negligence on our part. We just lose it. Or we get bad news. There's a health concern. And, and we say, that's a sign that God's favor is no longer on me. Well, I think we often look for signs. And I think that David in this text was given two signs that seemed to say that God turned his back on him. But what David did instructs us. I think what David did in this text, instead of acting solely on what he saw, he remembered the character of God and trusted God's character to get him through. Now, I'm gonna tell you something I forgot to say this morning, so you get extra credit for coming at 11 o'clock. I forgot to say, do you know how we get to know God's character? We get to know God's character by reading his word, reading and studying and seeing in the Old Testament how he faithfully presented himself and how he revealed his character and how Jesus Christ, a God in the flesh, revealed the character of God. We learn to trust God by reading. I want us to look at first David. David and Ziba's deceit. Look at verse one again. When David had passed a little beyond the summit. Now, the summit that um, the author is talking about is the summit of uh, the uh, Mount of Olives. And I remind you that on the Mount of Olives, David in chapter 15, he's praying to the Lord. He's mourning before the Lord. And he he heard that Ahithophel, Ahithophel, we uh, learned uh, in chapter 15, was. Uh, Bathsheba's grandfather and that's going to be important to remember but Ahithophel was a counselor and even in our text his counsel was so received so well received that people thought automatically when he spoke it was from God's word and David was told Ahithophel now was for Absalom he no longer supports you he's supporting Absalom so David is praying to the Lord, oh, please, God, frustrate, frustrate the counsel of Ahithophel. And he opened his eyes, and in uh, 2 Samuel 15, it's almost as if there's, there's this light that descends upon Hushai, because Hushai comes on the scene, and Hushai uh, is sent by David to go into Absalom's house to frustrate Ahithophel. It's almost as if there was a sign over Hushai, and God said, this is the answer to my prayer. It's almost as if that. And I wonder, if David took that as an answer to God's prayer, to his prayer to God, what about Ziba here? Because Ziba comes on the scene right after that. And he has a donkey, and he has raisins, and he has fruit. And he has wine, and uh, David says to him, "Why are you doing this?" And Ziba says, "Well, this is for you when you're uh, your king, uh, your uh, the people who are following you." And and David said, uh, "What about your master's son?" He's talking about Mephibosheth. Uh, you remember Mephibosheth uh, was Jonathan's son. Uh, He was dropped when he was younger and became crippled. Pastor Robertson, when he was talking about this, preaching on this, uh, made the connection that an undeserving boy was able to sit at the king's table. And I think that's a beautiful picture. Undeserving people like us sit at the king's table. David made a covenant with him. You can sit at my table. So David now asks Ziba, what about Oh, Where is he? Why isn't he here? Notice what Ziba says. L- look again at the text. Uh, look at verse 3. And Ziba said to the king, behold, he remains in Jerusalem, for he said, Today, the house of Israel will give me back the kingdom of my father. Now, when I read that, I went, hmm. Because I know what happens in chapter 19. Ziba is lying here. David doesn't know that Ziba is lying. All he can see is this sign here. The person, Jonathan's son, is turning his back on me. And Jonathan's son is saying, that the kingdom is going to be taken away from me. It's going back to Saul. And I know we, he bought it because it's, if you look at verse 4, um, David reverses what he said to Mephibosheth. And he said, all the land that I gave him in 2 Samuel chapter 9, all the land that I gave him, I give to you, Ziba. It's yours. Sign number one. Has God turned his back on David? Sign number two. They're walking, and this man, Shimei, or Shimei, my, I, I never pronounce this word correctly. You can say Shimei or Shimei. Uh, I, I don't think it really matters. The Lord has taken him home, and he's not going to correct me. And so I can, I can give my best right now. Shimei is cursing David. He is... A, a relative of Saul, and he says, Cursed be to you, David. Cursed be to you, David. And he's throwing stones, and he's hurling insults. Now, if you get in your mind a picture of a king that's ducking and cowering, and the people around him ducking and cowering because this guy is throwing insults, I remind you, the text tells us that David's mighty men were in the left hand and the right hand. These were powerful guys, these were tough warriors. If you read ahead in 2 Samuel, David talks about his mighty men and what they did in battle. I think what's happening here is, is David is, is like he's holding the reins back and saying to them, whoa, don't do anything, don't do it. Abishai says, let's lop off his head, let's kill him. Does that sound familiar to you? Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus was praying and Pilate's men came to him and um, one of the soldiers stepped up to Jesus and um, Peter lopped off his ear. Remember that? He says, don't you step up to the master. Right? I, I think of this. David is saying, wait a minute. This man is cursing me. And maybe he's cursing me because God told him to. I think David was a man whose guilt over his sin touched his heart. I think he wasn't sure if God sent this man to curse. And he wasn't going to lift his hand against this man. I think what he's saying here is that you leave him alone. You don't, you don't do anything to him. God will take care of whether he's right or wrong, whether I'm cursed. Or blessed. That's in God's hands. You don't do it yourself. Now I'm going to pause here and get a little nosy and say, one of the reasons I think that David was able to say that was I think that David understood at this point that God was his refuge. He wrote Psalms up to this point that talked about God as his refuge and strength. And he learned to trust that God can do what seemed impossible. He was going to rely on what he knew about God, even if the circumstances that he saw spoke against everything that he knew. He heard from God's words that he said, I would discipline you, 2 Samuel chapter 12, Uh, He said, I will discipline you with the rod, but my steadfast love will not depart from you. God told him that he wouldn't leave him. And so here's David at this point saying, I'm going to trust and I'm going to rely on God. You can read that in in, uh, verse 12. I'm going to read it again. Uh, 2 Samuel chapter 16, verse 12. Listen to what David said. It's amazing. It may be that the Lord will look on the wrong done to me and that the Lord will repay me with good for his cursing today. We're going to get back to that in just a few moments. But I want to get back to the text. After this happens, the scene switches to Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, um, chapter 15 ended with Abishai and Absalom arriving in Jerusalem together. And now they finally talk. And, And Hushai stands in front of uh, Absalom and uh, Absalom says to Hushai, what are you doing here? Those are my words. And listen to what, I I love the way Hushai did this. Listen to what Hushai said. Uh, look Look at verse 16. Long live the king, long live the king. Now I think, as I read this, I think that Hushai is talking about David. Because David sent Hushai into Absalom's court to frustrate him. And I think he's talking about King David, and I think uh, Absalom is thinking about King Absalom. And I think that because, listen to what Absalom says next. Look at, look at uh, uh, verse 17. And Absalom says to, said to Hushai, Is this your loyalty to your friend? Why did you not go to your friend? In other words, he's saying, I know you are committed to David. Why are you here? Why are you here? And listen to what Hushai says next. I love the way he says it. He said, um, Hushai said, no, for whom the Lord and his people and all the men of Israel have chosen, his will I be. And, I, and with him I will remain. And again, I think that he's talking about David. That God already chose David. But Absalom thinks it's himself. And uh, the reason I think that uh, Hushai remains with uh, David, his last phrase is almost word for word uh, that David said to him, when you go to uh, Absalom, I want you to say this He almost quotes it word for word You can read it Go back to 2 Samuel 15 and you'll read it He said, it, uh, and again, whom shall I serve? Should it not be his son? As I have served your father, so I will serve you That is almost word for word for What David uh, asked who's shy to say So he's shy is right there He's in front of David, uh, uh, Absalom And he's beginning to do what David tells him to do and the text stops there. It's frustrating, it stops. We don't find out what Hushai does until Pastor um, Franks will tell us next week the rest of the story of Hushai. He's silent now. But the scene switches to Ahithophel. Now before I read this, I want to remind you. Ahithophel was Bathsheba's grandfather. Remember, he was the one who was David's advisor, and then he switched loyalties to Absalom. Now he's against David. And I think, and I know I'm assigning motives to him, but I think it's because of what uh, David did to his granddaughter. Uh, He shamed her Uh, on the roof of his palace. He looked down upon her and wanted her and took her for himself. Now listen to what uh, Absalom asks, Ahithophel, He says, uh, Ahithophel, what shall I do? Look at verse 21. And Ahithophel said to Absalom, Go into your father's concubines, whom he has left to keep the house, and all Israel will hear that you have made yourself a stench to your father, and the hands of all who are with you will be strengthened. So they pitched a tent for Absalom on the roof, and Absalom went into his father's concubines, in the sight of uh, all Israel. Now I'm going to stop there and say two things are happening here. One, this is purely a political move. In those days when a king wanted to usurp the authority of another king, one of the things that he did, one of the ways that he crossed the line uh, over which you could not reverse was to take that king's wives. And that's exactly what Ahithophel told uh, Absalom to do. He says, do what people will know without a doubt that you are the king. Take as wives. Political move. But it's also something that God had told David he was going to do. Uh, remember God told David in 2 Samuel chapter 12. He said, you took another man's wife in secret. And blood will be in your family, and I'm going to, your neighbor will take your wives in front of all of Israel. What you did in secret, this is going to happen to you in public. And I think this is a direct result of the consequences of David's sin. But as, as David hears about this, I can't help but imagine, I wonder if he thought this is another sign that God has turned his back on him. The only reason that I don't think that David gave up, and I'm going to close with this one. Look at verse 12. David says something that's amazing in verse 12. I've read it a couple of times because it's so significant. Verse 12, David said he's talking about that, uh, that Shimei, who was cursing him. David said, It may be that the Lord will look on the wrong done to me and that the Lord will repay me with good for his cursing today. There are two things that remind me of Christ in this um, verse. Uh, And the first one is the first phrase. It may be that the Lord may uh, look. It may be that the Lord. uh, I just lost my place and I can't get it. Verse 12. It may be that the Lord will look on the wrong done to me. Uh, that word, look on the wrong done to me, the Hebrew word that's translated, look on the wrong that's done to me, is used 234 times in the Old Testament, in the ESV, the version that I read, 234 times. The only time that is used Uh, and translated other than iniquity, chastisement, guilt, punishment for sin, the only time that is used that way is here in this text. And and I think um, that one of the reasons that is used wrong done to me is because uh, I think the translators found it difficult to, uh, to wrestle with. Would God look on anybody's sin and do good to them? Would God turn his attention on anybody's sin and then give them, instead of his punishment, good? We find that in Jesus Christ because that's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus regarded our sin. He, looked, he, didn't, he didn't ignore our sin. His, our sin was placed on him. I think Paul takes it a step further in Second, in, excuse me, in Galatians chapter three. I want to read it to you because it's so amazing. Listen to what um, Paul says in Galatians chapter three. In Galatians chapter three, Paul, speaking of Christ, said this: Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. I want to remind you what David said David said it may be that the Lord will look on the wrong done to me and that the Lord will repay me with good for this cursing today I want to remind you brothers and sisters that God Almighty placed on Christ our curse the curse that we deserved and he redeemed for himself a people, As Paul said, cursed is everyone who was hanged on a tree. And then he says, so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham, Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Now, I'm going to take a little poll here as I finish up. Uh, I did in the 8th, 830 service, and I think it's going to be true in the 11 o'clock, but we'll find out. If you are a Hebrew believer, a Hebrew believer, would you raise your hand? Okay. It happened in the 11, at, at the 815, sir. You know what that means? We're all Gentiles. I, I went to seminary, so I know what I'm talking about. We're all Gentiles. And what, what, uh, what um, Paul said here was that Christ became cursed so the Gentiles may receive the blessings of Abraham." I'm not sure David understood what he was saying when he said his words in uh, verse 12. I I don't know. I don't don't think he understood it, because uh, our Jewish believers in the first century was looking for a Messiah to conquer Rome, to come riding on war horses. But Jesus came humbly. He came as a servant. And he came to take the curse that we deserve on him. We may look for signs in trying to determine if God is for us, if he's still with us, which way do we, we need to go. And I would recommend to you that you would do what David did, Rely on the character of God that you know to be true. And rest on that regardless of what you see. Shall we pray? Almighty God and loving Father, we thank you for your word this morning. And we acknowledge that sometimes it's difficult to see your loving presence, especially during difficult times. We pray that we realize, even as we sang this morning, Your mercies never cease, but they follow us through all our days with a certain hope of peace. We pray, Father, that you would allow us to set our minds on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.